0: Welcome to the New Missions Podcast, where we believe your mission field is right where you are and wherever you go. On today's episode of the New Missions Podcast, I'm thrilled to be interviewing Karen and Brian. Their story of taking their family to Haiti on a mission trip transformed not only their home, but their lives. So let's listen in to this conversation. Well, I'm thrilled to have Brian and Karen Taggart here today. On the New Missions Podcast, we're talking about the story of their family. They went to Haiti together to meet their sponsored children. And so thanks for joining us today. Glad you're here.
1: Glad to be here. Glad
0: to be here. That's awesome. So tell me a bit first on why you and your family chose to go on a mission trip together. I mean, you took your son, Zach, and your daughter, Abby. You flew all the way to Haiti. Why? Why?
1: Well, honestly, it was a God thing. It started with me looking at new missions on Twitter. Cool. And your posts on Twitter are so positive of what you were doing. And I was looking through it one day, and I just asked God, I want to be a part of this. I want to go. I want – and Brian and I are not necessarily missionaries every day we don't go all the time this was actually our first mission trip wow. um, Brian had been on a couple of mission trips before but um, it was my first it was my children's first mission trip so it was really kind of unusual for me to say I, I want to be a part of this I had been sure. gotten used to the being a sender
0: now when it, being your first what were your concerns being your first
1: uh, safety wow. obviously safety was my first concern because we're taking our children out of the country and we're Right. You know, doing a new thing in a new place. But honestly, God's hand was on the whole experience that I had such a great peace about it.
0: And there was a reason you all wanted to go on the trip, too, didn't you? you and Abby and Zach wanted to meet your sponsored children there. That's what was correct. that like for you guys?
2: It was great seeing them for the first time. We have been sponsoring these kids for many, many years. From about the time that our kids were third, second and third grade all the way to now they're senior and sophomore in high school. Wow! So last year it had been junior and freshman in high school. So to be able to see them after all these years, and the not just the financial investment, but the spiritual investment, the time investment from sending the boxes and at Christmas time, and incur- trying to be an encouragement to see the other end
0: of that. And for Abby and Zach, I I know that uh, I was there with you all when you met your sponsored kids. What was it like for them after those? children that they had been writing letters to back and forth what was it like for them after it became more physical and personal
2: i would say for zach um well at the actually at new missions in haiti i was surprised at how there did not seem to be even a cultural barrier for him Hmm. at all i had not seen that side of him before Hmm. whereas abby she was a little more apprehensive and a little, little little kind of slower to warm up but seeing
0: that side of Zach, I didn't even know existed, honestly. I remember they were playing dominoes together yeah. and just having time together as if they were brothers yes. in their Yeah, We can talk about Zach and Abby a lot since they're not. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> and so for them going to Haiti, that was a big step of faith. I know you mentioned the fear of safety. Mm-hmm. Um, what other concerns did they have in the process or even being there? They didn't have any concerns yeah. at all. I think no. they were,
2: I would say, somewhat naive to things outside of, let's say, suburban America. Yeah, uh, they've they've lived a charmed life, so I don't I don't think
0: that they knew what to be afraid of. Sure, yeah, they um, have
1: any expectations wow. or and no fear.
0: And then since then, that experience, what has it been like for your family or for your home or workplace? What has it been since then for them and for you?
1: I've seen a maturity in their desire to want to continue to help. Um, Mm -hmm. Whenever we have time to come and volunteer here at the headquarters at New Missions, they're right there. They want to be there. They cannot wait to go back. They wanted to go back this summer. We're planning to go back this summer, but unfortunately... There were some
0: conflicts in the country, I remember.
1: Yes, and so that had to be postponed, and they were disappointed. But their heart has grown so much, and, and it has open their eyes to see that there's a world beyond just our four walls in our home.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm curious to the question of awareness to others. You had mentioned now all of a sudden they wanted to help for your son and daughter. Obviously it was many years ago. You began sponsoring a child with the hope to change the life of that child there. But now in reflection, um, that journey has impacted the life of your son and daughter. Mm-hmm. So how is their perspective of serving others now making their everyday mission feel where they live here in you know America a comfortable culture? Um, how is it impacting their everyday?
1: That's a good question. I think that there's just an awareness now, mm. and how that translates, I think, is their desire to want to help. Mm. It spurs them to action. I think it's a little harder for them right now because they are teenagers. So
0: it's not as hard of a struggle for you to say, hey, let's go volunteer at new missions or let's go do a serve project at our church. Prior to maybe taking the trip, they would have been a little bit more like, why are we doing that? That's a waste of time. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I was, I guess that's kind of along
2: my thinking where it's when you when you live in let's say suburban america sometimes it is harder to identify the needs though the needs are there both materially spiritually emotionally with those around you mm. um when you go to a place like Haiti it is immediately easy to identify needs in all three categories and so kind of it's almost like boot camp you can you get that frame of reference and then you bring that frame of reference back and then it's much, much easier to spot those around you.
0: Especially you mentioned the emotional and the spiritual needs. I mean, we can easily identify the physical need. Okay. Somebody mm-hmm. may not have access to clean drinking water or, you know, they're living in a dwelling that is somewhat fragile, but here, I mean, the emotional lack in America and the spiritual lack is elevating. and and that's where you all, which, which I love about being with, both of you today is that you are tag you're it you're the missionaries now to america i think that the first piece is to
2: look for the needs honestly and and the opportunities to be of service to someone and then you work to to meet those needs and then that builds the bridge and then it opens the doors and i've definitely seen that in my especially in my current work situation in very very big ways
0: you bring up a good point I know when we started New Missions back in 1983, uh, the needs were obviously even more extreme back then. And so you're feeding a child because it's their only meal they may have that day when they come to the school, right? Right. But because you fed the child, the parent's going to listen and be open to the gospel. And I think there's something very spiritual about that. I mean, Jesus made it clear that if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you know, you've given it to me. And so you do go meet the needs first. And I think that's something that you all walked away with that I'm inspired by hearing your story and seeing your lives live it out here in the States. Um, What about you, Karen? Anything from that standpoint of how you see your family or even for yourself wanting to live out missions every day where you live now?
1: I think the impact for me is... Seeing the need, but also allowing the need to be small. I think sometimes we want to go out and just make a big splash and it's gotta have a lot of people and you gotta you gotta give a lot of shoeboxes when actually just the one can make a huge difference. Just the smile. Just personally for me I wanna look at people's eyes more. I see you who just checked me out at yeah. the grocery store. I see you who just took my money through the toll.
0: Right.
1: Um, and I think those small things can make huge differences.
0: It's respecting one another. But you mentioned about giving that time to that person. I think that that's something that's lacked in our culture, as you know, with the busy pace of not only the digital devices that we carry in our pockets, where everyone's just like so frantic. But the mm-hmm. fact that you pause and talk to the the clerk at the checkout at the Grocery store is a huge hello because guess what? You're going back again mm-hmm. you know, and you're building bridges where now the next time it may lead to a conversation or you learn about a need that then you can step into their story and help right where they live. So then let's shift gears to a little bit of your story about sponsoring a child in Haiti. Actually, you all sponsored two children. And there was a moment when I was with you in Haiti, uh, Karen, and you had made a statement to your sponsor child, a statement that you've been telling your kids for a long time. What is that statement?
1: Make good choices.
0: So tell me about your family at home, how that statement became part of your home life.
1: Uh, It became part of my home life because my mother, as she raised me, always would tell me, you know, watch over the choices that you make. The choices that you make are the kind of life that you're going to lead. And as I had my own children, it just became a phrase as I dropped them off at places, make good choices. Mm. You're going to be presented with paths. Sometimes you can make a small choice and you have no idea what the impact's going to be. And so I say that to my children regularly, and they're teenagers, so they, oh, okay, mom, whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's typical, <laughs> it's what they <laughs> do. But when I went to see Berlin and Lewinson, um, They feel like my children. They feel like my spiritual children. They have wonderful mothers because they're such good children. Both of them love Jesus. But when I saw them and they were leaving me, I felt that connection and felt, I love you. Make good choices. Same thing I would say to my own children because I, I felt like they were mine, too.
0: Yeah, that was a powerful moment. I'll never forget that. And I remember being there and I was moved by emotion at that moment. And I remember translating it for them and looking at their mother and smiling with them because really that's the love and care they get to continue while you're not there. Brian, for you with your son and daughter with this statement, make good choices, how have you seen that to become a thread in their life as kind of a reminder and a help?
2: Uh, Many times people make choices without counting the cost. Sometimes I'll ask them, hey, you know, why did you make this choice? Not necessarily, you know, it was a bad choice, not necessarily that it was a good choice. I'm just curious as to their decision making. And so when you step through their thought processes, Mm. their thought processes are much more on that counting the cost, weighing the pros, the cons. How does this line up with
0: leading a godly life? And when it comes to the missional side of what your family experienced overseas in Haiti, how has it been for you all back here in the States? It's like, oh, wow. I used to think the world was far away, but it's a little bit closer now.
1: Um, I love to meet um, people from Haiti here yes. in our country. Yeah. And um, and so I, it automatically builds a bridge to say, I've been to your country. Wow. It's really beautiful. Then it opens up conversation and you can have... Um, that connection
2: and because it's not a tourist destination it's somewhat <laughs> shocking for that them to, be, there. yeah that for them to hear that we've been there
0: yeah when i see haitians here in the states because i speak haitian creole and grew up there i'll often greet them by saying oh bonjour famille," which is like hello family good day family and they look at you like what it's like you're my family <laughs> Yeah. And it's respect and dignity. And I, I, I've I, been more impressed with how missions overseas, when you get back home, makes the world closer. Like you realize, wow, we live on this planet, right? And yes, we can travel to Africa, to Haiti, to Nicaragua, wherever it may be and do missions. But there are people from those countries that live in our neighborhoods, right? Mm-hmm. And so now missions gets to be, you know, next door, Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen anything like that for you guys with where you live, maybe in your neighborhood or in your community, where now you see that as your mission field right where you are?
2: We definitely see our neighborhood as that. Um, the neighborhood, I think how how the people are in our particular neighborhood is it's a little bit more of a challenge to break down those walls and even identify and even meet some of those needs, just how the
0: neighborhood is. So what are some of those challenges you find culturally here in America because I know in Haiti one of the cultural attributes that they have is community. I mean they they yes. live outdoors, they're extremely close in proximity. So there's a sense of we know who you are, what your needs are, what your life is like. But in America we're so secluded. It's like I'm going to hide away in my home and you know, close the garage door and what have you found that maybe are some of those challenges to meeting neighbors or knowing your neighbors? where you live
1: we do go immediately inside you go in the garage you shut the garage door you go in your house and you don't see your neighbors Um, so I would just say the immediate proximity and then the other thing I would say is it's considered sort of a faux pas to talk about religion or or your faith or anything like that and so we kind of need to get beyond that For example, when I come home, I don't immediately just put down my garage door. I leave it up. I kind of look around. Is somebody outside? And a couple of times, neighbors have come over to tell me something that is happening. I try to give them something encouraging, something Mm -hmm. to let them know that they're not alone, even though they might think that or feel that or whatever it is they're going through. Again, those moments aren't frequent because we do so quickly. But being encouraged by the moments that I have continues To remind me to pray for them more often and be aware, see, look. Is someone walking around outside? Do they need a hello? Do they need someone to listen?
0: Yeah. And the conversations with neighbors, you know, we, we have found this in our own neighborhood. You're right. You need to get outside and see them. But it's almost like every so often you tap on the neighbor. You If it's a wave, it's a hello. Hey, great to see you. And that's it. The next time they're not as afraid, right? You know, you're not yeah. the stranger anymore. Exactly. <laughs> which is which is really, it takes initiative to just start the conversation. It doesn't have to be a full conversation. You just start it. You kind of tap on them. And then next time they see you, you're like, oh, wow, Brian's not a weird guy. I, I trust him. <laughs> I think I'm going to have a longer conversation. and And it's also... Um, in missions, what we found is over the years serving in Haiti and the Dominican, and you brought it up earlier, is going to meet a need. Same with the neighbor. It's not, hey, I need your help with something. It's, do you need my help with something, right? You know, mm-hmm. there may be a neighbor on the street that you say, hey, I, I noticed that you were working on a yard project. You know, can I stop by on Saturday morning and, and just help out for an hour? And it's amazing. Even if they say no, it's amazing how that offers to them availability. It's like, oh my gosh, Brian and Karen are down the street and they actually thought of me, care about me. They'll remember it. They may not necessarily take you up on the offer the first time, but it's one of those open doors. And I think as a culture in America, as as believers and people of faith, if we can say, hey, I'm going to live out my walk with the Lord right where I live and I'm going to be available to my neighbors or I'm going to be available to my church community to go serve and meet those needs, I think then we're living Life on Mission. Um, Another just sidestep question for you as a couple. Um, I know that you, the three of us, were on the bus going back to do some projects together. and I just loved how much the two of you connected in Haiti in regards to what I would call a life purpose. Did you all see any of that kind of come to realization for the two of you? Like, oh, my gosh, for years we've been helping these kids or telling our own children, we're going to give to these people overseas. We're going to help this mission organization. But then as a couple, it was like all of a sudden this, oh, my goodness, we actually have a life purpose. Was was there anything like that for you, too, as a couple, as a Husband yeah. and wife, I would definitely say so. Absolutely, I think that
2: we are completely united. This is something that God is using to bring us together as a mutual interest and kind of the same heart for the same mission. Karen alluded to um, mission trips that I'd been on in times past. It was one that, it, for the safety, we didn't have her sure. go along on the on the trip.
0: You were the adventures where one where <laughs> <it> was.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I would be the one that would be be harmed. So we really not had shared
0: that ever okay together this was your first mission trip together as a couple Mm -hmm. yeah and uh, as a family
2: or doing anything on this scale
0: like this together as a service project what about you karen how has that shaped the purpose for you two together
1: for me personally it just gets me excited about the future Mm -hmm. because we have a vision and Mm -hmm. we know that we Mm -hmm. want to work together and continue to help with new missions and um, continue to help in Haiti and to continue to sponsor our children um, and hopefully even go back and see them maybe when they graduate, yes. um, which yeah. whenever you have a vision for the future or a goal or anything like that, it just gets you excited.
0: Yeah, it does. And what encourages me with your story, but also how you're living it out with your family, is that it, it has brought a unity to the purpose of living life on mission. It's so encouraging. And and I can I can see it in your eyes today, mm-hmm. but I also could feel it when we were together in Haiti. And when you've come back to new missions to serve here with volunteer projects in our office, um, your guys' energy is contagious. I know your kids are zealous to be here and serve, and it's awesome. Many are going to be encouraged by your story. But just kind of one final thought – I'd be intrigued with, and that is how is maybe your prayer life changed since Haiti for yourself personally and for your home and maybe where you're hoping that God's going to help kind of grow your family's spiritual life?
1: I would say it's become more specific. The thing about Haiti is ever since I started planning and going on this trip, the verse that God has given me is nothing is impossible with God. When you go to Haiti, it's very easy to be overwhelmed because the needs are on so many levels and they are so great. And so it's a reminder to me that this will only be done with God, can only be done with God. And if he is not included, then it's not going to work. And so how do you include him? Well, you Pray and you work where he opens the doors and you work where he is already on mission before us. Yes. And we're joining him. So my prayer life has gotten more specific for Lewinson and Berlin in that I've met them. So when I pray for them, I feel even more connected to them. I can remember the hug, I can remember looking in their eyes. And then when I pray for the country, I have to remember that this is going to be a battle that's won only with God. And so the prayers feel more effective Mm -hmm. because I've been there and I've seen the work that New Missions is doing. I've seen how effective the organization is and how you are changing people's lives. And frequently you will tweet out that Jesus is the answer for the world today. And I always like that one because <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Jesus is the only answer. And that's how my I would say my prayer is life has changed, is remembering he's the only answer. Well, then that's the only place I can go in order to make this happen or that's anything right. happen.
2: What about you, Brian? For me, the experience in Haiti was more of a compliment to other areas that God was already working. There was a 20-year gap between my last mission trip and this mission trip. You know, I was thinking about the, the, the little decisions, like where have I been spending my time, where have I been spending my energy? And some of it's been good and some of it's not been good. And in my particular area, it was just where God had already been doing a lot of work on me. This one was just like, yeah, of course we're going to go to Haiti. Of course we're going to do this stuff. So for me, it was more like, missing piece or a few more brushstrokes to the canvas that God
0: was was painting of my life. That's awesome. Well, I'm, I'm encouraged again, and I thank you both for taking the time to just share your hearts with us, to share your story. But I'm also encouraged by how God is working through your family with what God is doing. So thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you for having us. Yes, I, it's been
1: great you. to reminisce and remember being there. It was an amazing trip for our family.
0: I think you guys
2: are doing a great job. It's going to be a long journey. It's not going to be quick for anyone, but um, you can see huge difference and huge progress made in Haiti.
0: Thank you both. You're encouraging me. You're inspiring me that you need to make good choices. Thanks again for your prayers and thanks for your friendship and uh, appreciate your time today.
1: Thank you.
2: Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the New Missions Podcast. I'm Tim Dutellis, and I want to remind you, your mission field is right where you are and wherever you go. For more episodes of the New Missions Podcast, simply visit newmissions.org forward slash podcast. That's newmissions.org forward slash podcast.